add a bit of sunshine to your home with Easy Living Furniture's Garden Furniture Sale with stunning dining sets, cracking egg chairs and relaxing sun loungers that are in stock and ready for delivery there really is something for everyone and with an extra 10% off sale prices and free delivery over 399 now really is the time to let your garden shine Garden Sale now on Visit Easy Living Furniture Don't miss out Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie Leia Healthcare It's good to live Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry Hi, I'm Carl Henry and this is my Real Health Podcast where I cut through the nonsense about healthy living and tell you exactly what you need to do to live healthier each and every day And on this week's show, I'm joined by a very special guest, Dr. Hazel Wallace, the renowned food medic. Loudbourne Hazel is a star in the UK, where her expertise in medicine, nutrition and exercise is a huge hit with the public, looking for unique insights and information, with over 230,000 followers on Instagram. My main profession is uh, I'm a medical doctor, work in a hospital, um, but I founded my blog about six years ago called The Food Medic. Um, When I was a medical student, I was going from my undergraduate degree in medical sciences into medicine, and I found myself in a position where I wasn't very healthy myself. You know yourself, classic like college uni diet where it's lots of takeaways. Probably not enough sleep, too much booze. Yeah, there's, there's the classic freshman 14. That's the 14 pounds people put on the first couple of years of college that yeah. generally piles on. For that reason, it's lifestyle related. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to be a doctor, I don't want to be one who can't run for a bus, basically. So I kind of delved deeper into the literature, like the scientist that I was, that I am. And I wanted to know what was the best foods to eat to support my health and also how I should be training and exercising. And I really got into weightlifting at the time when it wasn't really cool for a girl to be in the weights room. Because it's become very trendy <laughs> now. Strong is the new skinny is the phrase that you see everywhere across all yeah. things, just blogs, but just generally. Um, yeah. And, you know, weightlifting's become really popular, which is great, which is really, really good. Absolutely. It's, and it's really, you know, it's really important for so many, you know, health markers as well. Yeah. So I'm really passionate about that. But... Anyway, I noticed also that there was this gap in the medical school curriculum for nutrition and lifestyle medicine. And um, from a personal point of view, I was obviously going through it on a personal level. But when I was 14, I lost my father to a stroke and stroke kind of risk factors are largely, again, lifestyle related. He had just been diagnosed with high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes. And I guess that was where the seed was really sown, that there's a link between what we eat and how we live and how it can impact our lives. Um, and yeah, I started the blog and I started writing and sharing articles and evidence-based facts because at the time, n- there was a lot of diets coming out and like, you know yourself on social media, yeah, everyone's course. a diet guru. Yeah, and I, I suppose <laughs> people who follow my own, my own social media accounts will know that I have a huge problem with people dishing out advice on social media who aren't qualified, who aren't insured. I think it, it's not necessarily healthy. I think it's, if anything, it's unhealthy. Yeah. Um, so evidence-based is crucial to help them. I'm a big believer in that. In terms of medicine, in terms of your course, what is the nutrition, um, I suppose, content that's delivered? Or, you know, is there any training in food? It's very minimal. Like the average is 20, 25, like 15 to 25 hours in a medical school curriculum. That varies throughout uh, different medical schools. It's up to them. Up to them. But um, 
you know, that's not very much. That's a lot. <laughs> you know, in, in five, start, six years of training, yeah, of it's not a lot at all. Um, and you don't really learn the practical elements of it. You don't know how to uh, give a patient advice. And the thing is, you know, doctors, particularly GPs, we are at the forefront of kind of healthcare. And if you are at risk of high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, etc., you come to us first. And if we can't give you the lifestyle advice that you need, to reduce your risk and even reverse those risk factors, then what do you have? You know, you've got Dr. Google then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Which is the worst thing <laughs> ever. It's the most annoying thing in the world. We get with, as uh, a personal trainer, we get with clients coming in all the time. Oh, Google this and Google that. Like, no, don't go to Google. Google's just not good. It's um, not, no. Just to say the least. In terms of the blog, what was the key point that that really took off? And you said, oh my God, this could become a career. This could become a huge part of what I do. Um, what was the, was there one key turning point or was it just a gradual, gradual kind of build? It was a gradual build. I think when I got offered my first book deal, you know, I was only a medical student and I was like, oh, this is scary. Like, am I ready for it? And I looked at, you know, what books were out there and I was like, you know, there's a huge gap for this. There's mm-hmm. a lot of um, healthy eating cookbooks basically produced by people who are unqualified to give that advice Um, and that was quite concerning and for me who kind of stepped into that space myself I found either you could find really robust evidence in papers which unless you are scientifically trained it's quite hard to read Mm -hmm. that evidence and you know kind of get what it what it's trying to tell us or you can look up online or read in magazines and they that's a bit flimsy and it's not really true evidence so I wanted to give something that was evidence-based but really digestible so that anyone could read it and anyone could understand it. And it's just, you know, going back to basics, what are carbs, fats, proteins? Mm -hmm. How much do we need? What does a healthy diet look like? Um, And just really kind of bringing it back to basics because I think we've come too far that we've overcomplicated things. It's always what's the key thing to cut out or you know once it's carbs and then it's fats and then you know we need to increase our protein and there's various diets just flung around and I think that's not sustainable. And what is I suppose what's health what does health mean to you then in terms of advice that you're giving through the book or through your work with Alpro or whatever it may be what's the what's the goal what 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 does health mean what is health how does it how do you see it? I think that's such a difficult um, question to answer. But for me personally, I kind of see it as almost like just various like interlooping links, let's just say. And that is like, you know, links between our diet and nutrition, but also physical activity, sleep, stress management and also social, because I think we often forget the social element. And that's almost the most important, even when it comes to diet. And they all interlink because I come back to the Mediterranean diet time and time again, because I'm Mm -hmm. like, it's so scientifically backed. It's not really a diet, just kind of like an in like a structure where it's like loads of fresh fruits and vegetables, whole grains, little bit of red wine, little bit of chocolate. But it's also like you sit down, you share it with your family, you know the way the food is sourced is completely different. It's like you respect food and you enjoy food. And And it's quite a balanced approach. Absolutely, absolutely. And that is sustainable. You know, it's very communal, especially here in Ireland. Food is so representative of our, like how we share our emotions as well. Like if there's a funeral, there's food involved. If there's a Mm -hmm. wedding, there's food involved. And I think if you fall in love with food or you see it as the enemy, it's a tricky like slippery slope really isn't it well people do that all the time it's the it's generally the you know i'm going to cut out everything diet mm. where it's the all or nothing 
and it's there's no alcohol there's no takeaways there's no chocolate there's no you can list all the things out that people do and that lasts about three weeks maybe four at a push and then people fall off the wagon and they go back to their old ways and put all the weight back on that they've lost because it is that kind of quick fix unbalanced component and when we bring guests in it's always nice to ask them you know i suppose what health does mean because you know it has to be balanced it has yeah. to be long term there needs to be a component of everything in it and and what's your treat then I'm fascinated. What's my treat? Yeah. Um, I'm the kind of person that, like, has a little bit of nofton. Like, I can, I have chocolate every day. Uh, like Every I'm, day. Good. Every day. Okay, like, this is good. This is like my, <laughs> I'll have two squares of dark chocolate after my dinner. It's just something that I do and I love. And I think people are like, oh, well, how can I curb that sweet tooth? And I'm mm-hmm. like, do we really need to curb it? Like, is it really a bad thing? And again, it's villainizing sugar and being sweet or and I think if you allow yourself those little small treats, you're less likely to, you know, binge and restrict, which yeah. is what's unhealthy. Um, you know, I am partial to a Pinot Grigio on the weekend as well. So. Good. This is all good. This is real normal stuff. This is, yeah, this is surprising. This is good. Um, because I think that's what people need to hear, that yeah. health. There is, you know, the odd glass of wine has a part to play in health. Absolutely. A little bit of dark chocolate, same thing. That's all normal, um, which is good. In terms of, in terms of, health as a as a, a medical practice do you think that's going kind of fu- future proofing itself in the fact that food and exercise will become preventative mes- medicine advice that's given out before maybe pills are advised before medication is advised and it's that something that we're going to see over the coming years and eras i really hope so i really really hope so that's my that's my goal for the future to integrate it into medical school training and also into our common like when we take a patient history we always ask you know how many cigarettes do you smoke or mm-hmm. how many units of alcohol and I hope that people will be asking how many minutes of exercise do you do let's talk about your diet how much sleep are you getting and I think the issue there is that we only have you know most doctors have about 10 minutes in a consultation it's difficult to kind of get into the nuances of nutrition but where I see that changing is whether we integrate, you know, get a nutritionist attached to general practices mm-hmm. or and a personal trainer as well. So that like they are hired by that practice to give out that lifestyle advice because, you know, we just have to look at the top, you know, the top diseases of today and it's heart disease, type two diabetes, cancer, all of these. Yes, there's a genetic component and we can't kind of control everything, but there's a huge lifestyle element as well. And I think if we tackle what we can tackle, we can absolutely save so many lives and save a lot of money to the economy as well. It just seems like a no-brainer, but it is, it's much more difficult to prescribe uh, exercise than mm-hmm. it is to give someone a pill and go on their merry way. And if we had any GPs listening in, uh, if, and you, I'm going to really put you in They're probably shaking here. their fist at me. <laughs> no, not at all. It's, look, it's, you know, the first thing is, is, is discussion and it's conversation mm. saying, oh, here's a medic who's saying, well, actually, this is what we should be advising. Um, what would be the simplest piece of advice you would say that they should give to their patients when they come in? I know it's a very broad question, but are there any, are there any really basic ones such as, you know, fluid intake, for example, for, for, their, for their patients or walking more or, you know, what's the, if, the, the basic level? Someone who comes in, they don't look healthy, um, their blood pressure's up, their waistline's over 40 inches. You know, what's the, what's the, the basic components of advice you would recommend i i think it's so dependent on the patient and again like the the kind of topics that i just covered there um so diet physical activity sleep and stress management and looking at those four elements um and even social like fifth element Mm -hmm. and seeing where they are particularly needing work on and addressing that first because you can't overwhelm a patient be like right you need to 
eat all these vegetables and start walking and because <laughs> that's you know, never going to happen and, they're not you know, going to follow it no yeah. they're not no. so like if this person you feel is completely totally inactive they've got a desk job they're not moving very much they've got all these risk factors address that first and if you can you know ask them to maybe download an app you know we've got Active 10 in the UK I don't know if you guys use that here yeah there's certain ones here like Map My Run will be one which is yeah. simple where you can track your walks or track your runs really easily there's standing apps or sleeping apps um, last week's show we covered technology and health which yeah. is all about kind of watches and all that kind of stuff and, and there is it does, does benefit because you know they kind of add that support system that some people really need if they don't have a family member that's going to support them it's good to have some way they can track it and you could say to your patient right I want you to try get your 10,000 steps even if they're far from that you know just say let's get 5,000 steps yeah. a day um, and if they can't make it up in an hour break it up throughout your day and what's really really promising is if you look at the evidence the curve um, for the least fit people, the least active people, they make the greatest health benefits. Of because they, they gain very quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, some people feel a bit disheartened, especially mm -hmm. if they they feel like they're at the bottom of that curve yeah. and they're like, I'm never going to be very fit. I'm like, any little change is going to make massive increments to your health benefits. So I think if there's a GP's listening in or medics listening in, I think you're key piece of advice there is a simple measurement tool. Yeah. Identify a simple measurement for your client or for, or for your patient, be it your 10,000 steps, be it maybe, you know, adding more vegetables on the plate. Absolutely. Just simple, small measure, make it easy and they can follow it, which is great. Um, in terms of, I know from just, you know, researching before you came in, one of your key beliefs is that food and exercise can kind of prevent and, and potentially reverse certain illnesses. What kind of illnesses are we talking about? Um, I think, in, you know, there's... The ones that are largely related to lifestyle, I guess the seven biggest ones are heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes, um, cancers. Well, certain cancers is a link between physical activity, colon cancer, breast cancer in particular. Um, osteoporosis, so physical activity is obviously really important weight for that. Exercise, weight bearing course, exercises, yeah. yeah. Um, and also there's a link between um, food and exercise and depression and Alzheimer's. So even when you exercise, you can... Increase the kind of, um, like, in you can reduce your risk of Alzheimer's and dementia, which is it's it's quite substantial. Like you know the evidence behind yeah. it, and although it's a growing area of science, the evidence is there. And again, what I say, you know, one of the things that you you you're a part of the Hippocratic oath is first do no harm. If you're not going to do any harm and you're going to be able to change someone's life through exercise, why aren't we prescribing it? Mm -hmm. Um, you okay, know. so basically there's nothing that it can't, <laughs> it can't improve. <laughs> I know it's a very, it's a very wide question, but you know, it's, it's important. Um, okay, so I am, um, look, I've looked at your blog, obviously, I've looked at your website. Um, you. I've had a quick flick through the book before you came in. Um, I want to pull back to the, I suppose, the three key pillars of health um, mm -hmm. that we, we would look at it with, our, with our own clients. Uh, obviously food, exercise, and motivation. I'm going to be really mean here. I'm going to ask you for some simple takeaways that our listeners can, can get um, in terms of food. So if I was to ask you for your, your top tips or your, your your simplest tips for someone who wants to change their diet to improve their diet, what would it be? I would say, first of all, cook from scratch. Um, I know it's difficult for some people um, who aren't, you know, keen on cooking or haven't really brought, been brought up in a, in a household that does cook. But, but cooking just, doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't, doesn't have, have to be, to be kind be of the, the Michelin star restaurant meal. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things I try to tackle in my new book is it's such a short ingredient list. All the ingredients you can pick up anywhere, like 
any supermarket, no niche, no superfoods or anything like that. Okay, so it's basic and basic, to the point, which is great. Basic to the point, you know. Because a lot of the books out there, I know we, we have my own book out recently, and it was the same thing was that I have all these cookbooks on the shelf, loads of them, and I never cook from them because I don't. the ingredients aren't in my local shop, I can't get them, and they're really long and take forever. So simple, simple is good. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so cook from scratch, there's the first one. Absolutely. Uh, secondly, I'd say focus on getting as much plant-based foods into your diet. Yeah. I have an omnivorous diet, I do eat meat, fish and eggs, but I try to have as many plant-based foods in my diet. And this is not only like from a health perspective, but also environmental. Um, I think it's really important to not exclude anything, but also try to get more whole grains in there. They're mm -hmm. full of fiber, um, full okay. of protein, legumes, um, lentils, chickpeas. They're cool. also really staple ingredients you can have in your cupboards. Make a stew out of them, make a chili out of them. They have long shelf lives, obviously, long as well, shelf which is life, good. And they're very filling. chips. <laughs> Um, so I think, you know, when I'm speaking to a lot of student populations, that's what we talk about, you know, making use lentils and chickpeas to your favor. Okay. And I, you know, I talk about that extensively in the book as well. OK, so cook more, cook more, increase your plant based uh, foods in your shopping trolley. And that yeah. obviously goes into, into you. And one more. I would say eat. Take your time and eat mindfully. Okay. One of the worst things that we do is we tend to eat on the go, in front of our laptop, on the phone, driving the car. And actually, when you eat that way, not only are you increasing your risk of like IBS, so irritable bowel syndrome and digestive problems, but you also don't absorb as much nutrients and you're going to be less satisfied. So, you know, there's evidence to say that families who sit down and eat together like about three times, more than three times a week, tend to have like lower health that's problems right. and are of a healthier weight as well. And I think that's an important message. Just and cherish put, your meal times. And put your phone, put your phone away <laughs> from your, your meal. I see it all. And I, I must admit, I do it sometimes myself. I know. Uh, you have to, you catch yourself, don't you? You're like, no. It's really <laughs> difficult because like you're, you know, in terms of, there's so much going on in terms of emails and stuff coming in. And so you naturally gravitate towards it. Uh, one of our new things at home is now we have, we turn the TV, we have open plan living room. So we turn mm. the TV off and phones off while we're having dinner, we'll put the radio on, maybe in the background. Um, and again, listeners to the show will know that uh, uh, the phones are outside the bedroom. That's yes. our new, that's our key thing for, for to improve our sleep. Okay, so three really good tips. So cook more, more plant-based uh, foods, and then just slow it down. Just slow down your eating slow and focus down. on your food and kind of mindful eating. Great. Yeah. In terms of exercise, um, what's your what do you what do you how do you you train? What do you do uh, currently? Because you're busy. You're you're so busy. You're traveling the world. You're a doctor. You're an author. You're a PT. You're yeah. doing all your websites. So what what do you do? Uh, my I I love weightlifting. You know that's what I enjoy. I'm a personal trainer. It's my bread and butter. I think it's also so important for everyone. You know, regardless of our age, because we need to be doing weight bearing exercises, but also. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to lift weights. You can still do weight bearing exercises at home. Because everyone listening in is a weight, obviously. Yeah. You know, we all we're we're all our weight we in some way, shape, or form. Ourselves. So that's weight bearing movement. Absolutely. And I because I travel so much, my body weight is my, you know, my most used piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. I'm always doing like workouts in my hotel room and that will be like squats and push-ups and you know lunges and I kind of have built myself this little repertoire like library of exercises that I can just pop out and I think a lot of people a lot of concerns I hear is like people thinking if they're not doing an hour really sweaty workout in the gym it's just not worth it and I'm like you don't have to kill yourself for it to be worth it you can actually do you know pop in 20 minutes in the morning mm -hmm. and it will be you know it will add to something it's like we said earlier anything is going to 
is going to improve you from your baseline. So, so from that, I would pull, it's about fitting it into your day or your lifestyle. Into your lifestyle. That doesn't have to be an hour. And we would say the same to our own clients. It just, you, 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 might, you just fit it around your day um, and make it work for you. Um, what else? What's one tip? I think following on from that also, that there's not one right way of exercising. You know, you don't have to go to the gym if you don't enjoy it. If yoga is like what you enjoy, then do yoga. You know, the London Marathon was last week. I hate running. I don't <laughs> think I'm going to do a marathon. Some of my friends done it and I'm like, you're incredible. I was in the heat. The weather it was, it was so, I mean, if you find some friends doing it, it was so warm. It was so warm. But, you know, me, I'm going to be in the gym doing weightlifting. I'm going to do CrossFit because that is what fires me up. It keeps me fit by I enjoy it. And I think, you know, like my sister, she's the opposite to me. She loves weightlifting. Uh, I mean, she loves doing yoga and boxing yeah. and that's her kind of way of staying fit and I think there's so many options now like just find what works for you and if that's going for a brisk walk every day absolutely okay so make it fun make it fun so put it into your day make it fun um if I if I was to pick ask you for one type weightlifting's your thing I'm getting that that's the yeah. gist I get because because you enjoy it um, and people, you know, there isn't there isn't one over, there isn't one type of exercise that everyone has to do. Do a little bit of everything, but do lift some weights in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, in terms of the osteoporosis risks. Yeah. Um, okay. What motivates you then? Because you're very driven, yeah. obviously. Uh, I get that from like, even looking at your Instagram page. The quantity of stuff that you're doing is just off the Richter scale. You're very focused. Um, what drives you? What's your What's your motivator? Um, I'm, you know, I'm not a spiritual person, but I'm a big believer that I was put on this path for a reason. You know, I'm a doctor, but I have a huge platform of, you know, almost of a, you know, a quarter of a million people, really. And I feel because yeah, like your, your Instagram followers are just under 230,000, Facebook 17,000, Twitter 19,000 and YouTube just over eight. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people. Like, that's nearly 300,000 people. There is. It's and huge. I see that as my responsibility and almost like a not, I don't see it as a patient population, but I think of it like if I can help improve, you know, half of those people and the stuff, the information I pass on to half of those people, if they passed on to their friends and family, that impact is huge. So and I does think that bring pressure. Do you huge. wake up in the morning thinking, oh, my God, I have 300,000 people <laughs> waiting on my post today. Is that does that bring a sense of of pressure with it? No, I think. It doesn't put me under pressure to post, but it puts me under pressure to provide the best quality advice. Okay, so it's a filter. I, it's a filter. I go through so many filters, you know, when I'm putting out anything online. I think being a doctor just makes you a bit more mindful about what you mm -hmm. say online. And that can only be a good thing because some people do say whatever they want willy-nilly and they don't really think of the repercussions. And it and if, you're, if people are following you, you have a responsibility. And it's again, it's something that I've consistently posted about because I have an issue with it if I see people posting of stuff and they're not qualified about the exercise routines that they're doing and the stuff that they're doing and people follow that advice that's a problem mm. and you've no insurance to cover you whatsoever so it freaks me out um, in terms of people listening in and getting motivated then um, where what's the I suppose we would say to our clients that there has to be kind of a key turning point that something has to happen a trigger point be it a photograph or be it you know running for the bus or getting walking up and down the stairs getting out of breath or clothes not fitting um, that that's one of the key things for motivation. Would you agree? I think so. I think a lot of people um, go to change their, they want to change their health for either they'll have a, you know, a health scare issue or be when they get the diagnosis or told they're at risk or it'll be from an aesthetic viewpoint, like they're not happy with how they look. And um, 
or it's something that happened to a loved one and they're scared about it. And, you know, I personally don't like to focus on appearance as a driver of motivation, but I know for some people, for most people, that can be the first thing that gets them in the gym. But what I find with a lot of people that I work with is, although they start with that kind of, I need to get fit because I'm not happy with the way I look, oftentimes when they start training and they start eating well, they keep going because it's not because they're focused on how they look, mm -hmm. it's because they love how they feel, they love how much energy they have, they love that they can, you know, lift a weight off the ground, they couldn't do that before. So, so it's a sense of progression that really kind of keeps them going. That's it. And yeah. I think when when people have, you know, this newfound passion, it can give you like almost a new lease of life and having more energy, you know, until you find that it's really hard to describe to someone. And when they do get it, they, you know, they don't turn back, really. And it's almost addictive in terms of the feeling from being healthy, because I suppose life has turned us into feeling or people into feeling unhealthy. So feeling good, getting endor the endorphin rush from an exercise, be it a walk or be it a, you know, a gym session, whatever it may be, that can become quite addictive. In terms of staying focused, if people have started, they've had their trigger point, whatever it may be, they want to stay focused. What's your tip to people to stay on track? I would say, you know, to stay on track again is it's all about building daily habits and instead of thinking about huge goals break it down you know like instead of being like I you know want to drop a stone or I want to run a marathon what can you do in like little week increments and it's all about the little wins that keep people motivated because mm -hmm. you'll get disheartened if they you know if the challenge seems too big and it's instead of that like how about you hit a certain step count for that week or how about that week you make all of your lunches or you know for kids what I find really useful is you know getting them to eat five a day and like keeping a track of that and writing it down and making it a bit of a game um, people love having targets and points and it almost it keeps people on track and keeps people focused but again if it becomes a habit then you almost slip into it naturally like mm -hmm. now I don't really think about my food choices anymore. I just naturally, you know, go towards healthier options. But again, you know, I don't feel like I have to be overly thinking it anymore. And I love moving and I'll do it all the time. But it doesn't seem like a yeah, huge effort for me. Whereas it, it was becomes, before. Yeah, so it becomes something that you do. It becomes instilled in you. Yeah. yeah. And okay. I hope that in the future we will have a nation that it becomes a bit more normal. You know, there's some some nations, like even when you go to Amsterdam, everyone drives, cycles bikes. And in London, a lot of people cycle bikes as well. And I think it's about creating that environment where it's really normal to run to work or, you know, mm -hmm. do an active thing, thing on the, the weekend. The bit that I always find the funniest is, thing is when I travel and you come off the plane and there's an escalator and a stairs. And there's a queue for the escalator to go up to you know the baggage or whatever it may be. And the stairs is generally free. And I can't get my head around that. Or you, there's a travelator going through the airport, which carries you. you don't need, the people don't even have to move anymore. Like it's about make, it's making life even more sedentary to the extreme. And I think that people have to get it into their day. Uh, for if, if we go into a, a corporate company, we will sometimes shut down the lift. Yeah. And there's mayhem for about three, four days. And then yeah. it becomes a habit. By week two, it's normal. People just do it. We turn the lift back on. 60% less people use the lift. And it's like just like you're saying, it's habitual. It's just movement. Um, yeah. And, or, you know, it's getting people into a habit of doing something on a daily basis, which is the idea. Um, so you're also you're in Dublin for a couple of other reasons. I know you have yeah. the, the, the planquet coming up. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So Alpro have this planquet, um, which is open from Tuesday um, 
the Tuesday the 24th until Monday the 30th of April and yeah. basically um, Alpha are doing this this kind of event and you can go in for breakfast, lunch and dinner. All the meals are complimentary which is amazing and it's all planned. Free food. Free, Free food. Free food. Like oh my gosh <laughs> and it's obviously all plant based and they're trying to encourage I guess the people of Dublin to try putting plants first and try plant based options and dairy alternatives. Okay so plant based might freak people out. I know. As a word it does. So let's break it down. Let's make it simple. Uh, what kind of if you're eating a plant based diet what kind of foods should you have in your fridge or in your shopping basket? So there's a bit of a spectrum from plant-based. You can go, you know, full hog and go vegan, which is absolutely complete. Hardcore. It's hardcore. Um, all completely plant-based or you can be kind of plant-focused like I am where you still eat animal products like meat, fish and eggs, but okay. eat a lot of plant-based foods also. Um, and then there's, you know, bits in between vegetarian, lacto-vegetarian and things like that. Okay. Um, so if you want to go more plant-based, it's about focusing, getting more kind of, instead of putting meat or fish central to your meal, getting more plant-based foods there. So like I said earlier, lentils, yeah. chickpeas, whole grains, that kind of thing. Trying plant-based um, dairy alternatives, so plant-based milks, they're actually quite tasty. I personally love oat milk in my coffee. And if you haven't tried it, give it a go just gonna say and that what are the benefits <laughs> for that for people listening in then so in terms of you know switching from your dairy through to uh, a plant-based alternative so what are the benefits i personally like still have dairy in my diet also and i think there's nothing wrong with with dairy in in, in our diets but there is a huge benefit of going more plant focused um the biggest driver for me is the environmental point of view but also um a plant-focused kind of diet, so more plants in your diet is going to reduce the amount of saturated fat in your diet. It tends to be lower in sugar, tends to be higher in protein, um, which is a huge misconception as yeah, well. Of course. Um, and highly, highly high in fibre, which is something that we really under eat here, especially in the UK and Ireland. I think we meet about half of that. We get about 18 grams. We should be having 30 grams a day. And fibre is not only good for like kind of I think it's notoriously good for, you know, good bowel movements. But now it's pretty trendy because there's a huge link between our gut health and our brain health. Yeah. And we know that that's a two-way system. So if you look after your gut, you're looking after your brain as well. We have a TV show here called Operation Transformation. And the dietitian on the show, uh, Aoife, if you're listening in, is all about stool analysis. She's hooked on it. She's like, the analysis of the stool would tell us so much about your gut health and your yeah. internal health and so on and so forth. So, no, no. Good, we, like, I think health professionals it. love talking about <laughs> stool. But sure, we'll keep that off the podcast. Indeed. Um, <laughs> okay, so it's um, the Alpro Planquet. It is on uh, 57 South William Street. Final question for you. Um, we've got loads of tips from, from you today which is great um, who do you follow on social media if you're so you know you're you're very much the you know you're a hugely established brand um, I'm always in, intrigued by those who are like that who they follow yeah I love following other scientists and doctors who are kind of making movements um, Alan Argon um, Dr. Rangan Chatterjee um, there's I guess for me it's a it's about connecting with like-minded people who are driving what you know, driving the things that I, I believe in. But I also follow a lot of dietitians and nutritionists. There's um a, two dietitians called the Ruder Project in the UK, and they're very much driven towards kind of busting all the myths that you see online. So I love that, and they kind of do it in a very clever way. Um, and um, who else do I follow? I guess. I do like follow people who are non-scientists and just, you know, really motivating me. And that is whether it's, you know, like girls in CrossFit. Mm -hmm. um, 
I find that like really inspiring. Okay. So, you, you, so you very much surround yourself with positivity. Positivity. That those yeah. are li- who are living the lifestyle that you aspire to live and that you do live. And you surround yourself with those kind of people. Yeah, that's and it. That's an easy way to keep yourself on track and to keep yourself healthy, I'm sure. Absolutely. And I found like at one point I just kind of started unfollowing the people who didn't make me feel good or didn't inspire me or that didn't motivate me. That is the best tip of the day so far. I love yeah. it. I love it because I'm always <laughs> saying it to people in my, my column in the Irish Independence and uh, also uh, to, to our clients, which is get rid of all your negative social media, um, the people that you follow, because they're only going to make you feel negative. Yeah, And surround yourself with, with the positive ones, which is and a biggie. That's the thing. And like sometimes that can be hard because they might be people that you are friends with in real life, but they may not put out the content that makes you feel good or inspires mm-hmm. you. And... You just need to unfollow it. Oh. <laughs> out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Well, Dr. Hazel Wallace, the very best of luck with your new book, The Food thank Medic you. for Life and with the Alpro event. Thank you so much for coming in, taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, to chat to me today. Great. Much appreciated. Thanks thank so you. much for having me. <laughs> well, folks, that's all we have time for in this week's show. And my thanks to the food medic, Dr. Hazel Wallace, for joining me on the show and for all her great tips and advice on healthy eating and fitness. Plus, don't forget the Alpro Planquet is at 57 South William Street until Monday if you want to try out some plant-based eating for yourself. As ever, I'll be back next week with more great guests and advice about healthy living. And in the meantime, if you have any questions whatsoever, you can reach me on realhealth.independent.ie or on Twitter at CarlHenryPT, hashtag realhealthpodcast. As always, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. And don't forget, start living a healthier and happier life every single day. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of The Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.